HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, and welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Terkel. And it is Saturday, May 18th, 2019. And we're taping from Santa Fe, New Mexico at the IACP Annual Conference. Today's guest is Anna Maria Bresna from Dolina Bakery and Cafe, which is literally around the corner on Guadalupe Street. When you walk in, it is just a wonderful place, bustling with cheer, and it's so vibrant, and the walls are painted white. It has this brightness, this levity to it. When I first walked in, I saw Anna Maria. She came around the counter and gave me a huge hug, and that warmth and affection extends itself into everything that she touches. She's an immigrant from Slovakia, but somehow found home in Santa Fe. But we're going to start this episode with a geography lesson. Where in the world is Slovakia? Um, Slovakia is centrally located country in the middle of Europe, and it's surrounded by um, Austria, Hungary, Ukraine, and uh, bordering with Poland on the north side and Czech Republic. I guess I still I still think of Slovakia as Czechoslovakia because I grew up in that country. So to say it's bordering with Czech Republic is you know. So there were pamphlets in Slovakia about summer camp in the Poconos. Like how, how did you ever take that leap of faith to move to the states and go to that specific place? I wanted to learn a language and I tried French and it just didn't roll off my tongue. So I said, okay, I'll try English. And um, and um, at our university, there was um, you know there were recruiting students to come to United States for the summer, and I thought I'll take advantage of it and and try it out. Give me your first impressions of summer camp. It was Camp Canadensis. 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 Tell tell me about the camp and what your role was there. Um, so, the camp was really large. It has uh, it had. Um, a lot of kids from New York City that would come for the whole summer. So they were there for eight weeks straight, which um, is amazing to me, but also a beautiful place to escape the city so I can understand how they wanted to be there instead of, um, you know, Manhattan. Uh, Can you explain to me what you were doing at that camp? I was baking. (laughs) It didn't start like baking. I I went to work in the kitchen because I didn't speak English well. So um, I was doing all the prep, all the cutting, my knife skills aren't so good. Can I just say that? So um, 
one of the main chefs took liking to me and um, asked me to if I wanted to bake. And I, I took that job, which made my life much easier. And what did you bake at that summer camp? All the birthday cakes. <laughs> I well, made all the birthday cakes and then I scooped pudding out of, um, out of a can. Well, that's, that is a heck of an advertisement. And, and what kind of birthday cakes were they? Were they from scratch? And no, they were they were pre-mixed um, dry ingredients that I would mix with butter and and milk or buttermilk and and put into forms. The icing came in uh, in piping bags, um, so I just you know took took a liking in decorating. I could see you at the beginning of camp being very excited about doing something like that, and then throughout the sessions being like, "Happy birthday, Brian!" <laughs> handing that cake over, and everyone's like. Slovakian chef, she's very, very mean. <laughs> Just because you had to deal with cake mixes for a whole summer. It was okay. It was okay. I, you know, I, I liked it and it gave me a flexible schedule and I could go for a run on the trail when I was done. So yeah, it was fine. So what did this make you think of the American baking acumen? Did, did you think that, you know, everything came out of a box? Was, was that impressive to you? Was it not? It wasn't impressive to me at all. Uh, it, it wasn't, you know, I thought that the camp was very well organized and maybe that was the part of it, it's just making it easier for everyone. But then I realized later on that um, a lot of baking happens that way here, um, unfortunately, and that's some, not something I grew up with. So um, I quickly um, kind of started going back to the recipes that, that I was used to. And what, what were those recipes you were used to? Strudel, um, you know, um, yeasty, a lot of yeasty dough filled with different things that you would actually have to wait for a couple hours till it rises and then roll it out, fill it up and, and bake it slowly, you know, kind of a little more complex recipes, but so rewarding and not as sweet. Can we talk about the sweetness? Not as sweet. Um, my, everything that I grew up with um, has is more about flavor of other ingredients like poppy seeds or plums or um, cheese that's a probiotic cheese, tvaroch, and a little bit of sweetness it, is added to it, but it's definitely not as sweet as, as cakes that, that um, kids grow up here with. So the Poconos was a very distinct place for you to be in, but you, you've let Felicity kind of dictate the fate of your life quite a bit in that you ended up here in Santa Fe because you overheard about it from a random Texan while you were in Florida. Can you explain that? Yes. So um, I moved down to Florida to visit some friends. There were a lot of, um, well, a lot. I would say about six friends from back home. And... Um, it was just nice to to um, go and visit them and speak the language and kind of see familiar faces after a while of traveling around the United States. And um, I ended up staying there for about three or four months. And, um, you know, Florida is beautiful. Um, it has beautiful beaches, but I always missed um, mountains. And, you know, I love hiking and outdoors and and it just wasn't my kind of place. I was, got tired of the beach pretty quickly. Um, so I was explaining it to a friend standing next to me. And there was a woman, um, Nancy was her name. I still remember her name. 
And she said, um, after I explained what I was looking for, she said, go to Santa Fe. And I said, hmm, where is that? And she told me a story about driving from Dallas with her girls to California, and their car broke down in Santa Fe, and they were forced to stay here for a week because they had to order a part for their car. And she said it was the most beautiful experience. She didn't even want to continue to California. She just wanted to stay here and go back to Dallas afterwards. Um, so I went home and I researched it online, saw a few photos of what Santa Fe landscape looks like, and then I started seeing it everywhere. I went to a grocery store and there was an outside magazine and it had a picture of white sands. Someone was camping in white sands and the beautiful uh, sky full of stars. And um, you know, all of these little things started coming around and I just packed my things and left 33 hours of drive straight through <laughs> Louisiana and Texas. And I came here six o'clock in the morning and crashed and nearest hotel for 13 hours and I woke up in the morning and I absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, did you get to ask along the way, uh, do you know the song, Do You Know the Way to Santa Fe? No. No? No? So, <laughs> anybody else know this or am I making this up? Okay. Because in the cab ride down from Albuquerque, that's why the guy in the cab was like, what are you talking about? I'm taking you there right now. All right. So I'm terrible with lyrics. So we're going to move on from that. Because Santa Fe seems to be this magical place. This is my first time here. Um, my my brother-in-law is from Las Cruces. This has always talked about um, the, the, well, green chilies. Um, but the air here, there, there's such levity. There's such lightness. Um, did you feel that? Uh, did you feel that breath, that sigh of relief once you found a place to now call home? Absolutely. There's something very calming about Santa Fe. It's... Uh not only a place where you can drive without traffic, it's a place where you can uh, break away from work and in 10 minutes you're at the most beautiful hiking trail and mountains and you can just, you know, leave all your worries up there. Um, it's a place that is eclectic with full of different food and special people. It attracts a lot of artists and cultures and for how small it is it has so much to offer and um and i really love the mentality of people here everyone is really nice to each other and it's almost when you get used to it and you travel somewhere else you have to kind of adjust a little bit and realize that maybe people don't open doors for each other everywhere or maybe they don't know they don't notice each other as much as we do here you know, and I think that's a huge beauty of this town. Did you find that similar kind of kindness in food, uh, the cuisine of Santa Fe or maybe the restaurants here? Absolutely. And, and what I found also that um, as many restaurants as we have, it's not very competitive. It's more supportive of each other, which is really beautiful. You know, chefs have their back and, and like to socialize and compare and work together which is really beautiful. Can you tell me about Cafe Fina and why you opened it and what the food was like there? Okay. Um, Cafe Fina I opened with my ex-husband and um, it was our first um, together kind of endeavor um, after we had our children and, you know, they were really young when we were opening it about 
five and three, which is, you know, a fun age, but you constantly have to run after them. So it was quite a challenge. Um, the space came out because um, a friend of ours was closing the restaurant that they opened together, and uh, um, it was perfectly ready to go. And we heard about it and jumped on it as soon as we could. We called them and we said, we want to take over your space. So they became our landlords, and um, we just went in and quickly cleaned up the space. And um, my ex-husband had a um, restaurant before, so he kind of had a concept in mind that he wanted to do. And I, you know, he was trying to talk me into um, doing dinner service. And I said, there's no way, not with our children. We can do breakfast and lunch, close at 3.30, and have a life afterwards, which even if you close the door at 3.30, you know you're not out of there until 5 or 6. But, you know, it was a perfect schedule for all of us. And you know you're there that much earlier because you were baking. So you had a lot of American <laughs> pies on that menu. Yeah. And I have a little, little you know, arrow pointing to Texas colaches. Um, because there's a connection between what American pies are and what colaches are in Slovakian culture. Can you talk about what that bridge might be? Yeah, so kolache are, um, you know, traditionally in Slovakia, anything that's baked, that's sweet, you would call kolache. But um, when it translates to bringing it to a different culture, kolache are round cakes that are yeast, made out of yeasted dough, and they're topped with all three of our favorite toppings, which is tvaroch, probiotic cheese mixed with sugar, ground puppy seeds, and lekvar, which is a... Um, preserves made out of plums and um and in texas there along along the small road to dallas there are there are small towns that are known for their kolache um little shops i guess there there was a big slovakian community that moved and worked in different mines and and things so um they kind of carry the culture on through the food so we had a lot of people requesting kolache in my opinion, kolache are best straight out of the oven. So, um, you know, I would often make them and just give them away because I couldn't wait till they get cold and see if someone buys them. I wanted them to be consumed while they're really good. So, um, you know, sometimes that's better than waiting for someone to buy them off the shelf. Uh, but this cheese, can you pronounce it again for me? Tvaroch. This is something that makes you're baking distinctly different than an American pie in that, yes, we have cheesecakes, but we usually don't mix fruit and cheese as much in a pie. Uh, what, what does that combination taste like? What, what does it bring you back to? Hmm. Tvaro is like no, nothing else. You know, I tried to substitute it. First time when I moved to the United States, I tried to substitute for ricotta or some other cheeses that are used in other cultures in baking, but that's not, it's not the same. Tvaro is um, very much sour in flavor, and it's very satisfying because it's um, sour and you can add just a little bit of powdered sugar to it and a dash of vanilla, and it's the best thing in the world. Um, as a child, I used to eat it as a TV snack. I would put it in a bowl and mix it with sugar and just eat it all up without anything else. Um, it's essentially a milk that's left at room temperature for two to three days, and then 
Um, it's cooked very much like paneer in Indian cuisine, where you can just bring it under boil, boiling temperature and do a little squeeze of lemon and strain it through a cheesecloth. But it's sour and super delicious. This powdered sugar thing with cheese, <laughs> we were talking about this before, and I was wondering why not granulated sugar? What, what is the reason behind powdered? Well, powdered sugar we use for a lot of toppings, and I think that just by itself, if you take a bite of whatever you put it on, it doesn't have that crunch in your teeth. And usually it's topped with melted butter, so it melts into a sauce instead of being crunchy. You know, it's a different texture. And I think it melts well into the cheese or anything that you put it in. Now, with these explanations, who's going to Dolina Bakery tomorrow morning? <laughs> yes, okay, I'll see you all there. Uh, let's talk about Dolina, because walking in there, it is so bright and welcoming and warm. The walls are painted white. Uh, it was bustling today during, let's call it brunch. brunch. It's kind of a hybrid. Uh, you know, I don't feel like it is brunch, because you get a certain kind of menu for that, and you get a very different experience going to Dolina. Um, I cannot pronounce this, but there is this nut roll in the pastry case. And the second I saw it, it, it made me, it reminded me of the, the Romanian bread my grandma used to make. Um, what's it called and what do you use it for? Um, it's called orechovnik. And we have that bread in, you know, in every culture in Europe. Um, I believe in Slovenia, they call it povitica. Um, and you can make it with different flavors. In Slovakia, the most common flavors are orechovnik, which is made with walnuts and cinnamon. And then we also make makovnik, which is made with ground puppy seeds and some grated apple in it. It's really good. It, it, you know, just a simple yeasted dough rolled into uh, rolled with the topping. We actually make our French toast out of it, which is one of my favorite items on the menu with warm blueberries and maple syrup on top. So, you know, I take the Slovakian cooking and then turn it into an American comfort food, and it just seems to blend so well together. You know, but I don't think strudel is an American comfort food, or at least... The it's becoming now. Yeah, or at least the because of you. <laughs> <laughs> but the density of poppy seeds that you have in yours, um, I had said this to someone before, and I passed this by you. This is not an insult at all, but the poppies taste like shoe polish and unlit cigars in a good way. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I love the earthiness in, in puppy seeds, and I think that's, that's why um, I have a hard time with um, kind of traditional American cakes because I, I, that's what I miss. It needs to have um, kind of third dimension than just sugar, and puppy seeds do it for me. It's, it's earthy flavor that is unlike anything else. You find this in a couple of your other cakes and pies. There's one called Makos Dios, um, which I, I have to say, oof, Dios, I mean, like this was one of the greatest gluten-free experiences of my life. Um, but it has poppy seeds, walnuts, raspberry preserves. Mm -hmm. um, what, what is that cake and why is it displayed at your restaurant? So this cake isn't traditionally Slovakian cake. Um, I actually ran into this um, recipe in the Bay Area. There is an Eastern European bakery in Berkeley called Krixa. And um, I was told by a friend of mine who's gluten-free that I need to go there and try this cake. And um, so it's a Hungarian cake, makos, diosh. Uh, makos means uh, puppy seeds, diosh is walnuts, I believe. 
and it's exactly what it is, what it consists of. It's half puppy seeds, half walnuts, just mixed with some <coughs> butter, powdered sugar, a little bit of lemon zest, some eggs, and baked off, and it's the most delicious thing. Um, and this friend of mine, actually, because she wanted us to have it on the menu at Dolina, um, she came and bought us this very expensive poppy seed grinder um, that I couldn't afford right off the bat, but she wanted it so much that she gave me this grinder um, as a housewarming gift so you, I could start making it. There's a couple other Hungarian pastries or cakes in there. There's one called Dobos Tort, which I love, this sponge cake that's layered with bittersweet chocolate buttercream. Mm. Um, do you traditionally do Slovakian, Hungarian, or is it a great place to stop by and have a breakfast burrito? All of the above, I think. Um, I didn't realize how many recipes uh, of my childhood were Hungarian until I started cooking and exploring the heritage of, of the foods, where they came from. I always thought that Dobosz was Slovakian and so was Langos until I posted it on Facebook and said it's a Slovakian street food and someone said, that is so not Slovakian. <laughs> this is from Hungary. And I said, well, I made it the Slovakian way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dolina, Slovakian, Hungarian, yeah. whatever it is, it is very much Anna Maria. And yes. please go visit her tomorrow. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you. food scene.